0: Welcome back to the CX Pulse podcast. We're glad you're joining us. We are thrilled to be joined today by Donna Fluss of DMG Consulting LLC. And today we're taking on the broad topic of agile staffing practices for today's contact centers. So, Donna, we're gonna kick things off with the broad topic of why it's so important for contact centers to use a work-at-home or hybrid on-site remote staffing model, especially heading through 2021.
1: Well, Amelia the world has changed and it's time for contact centers to go along with those changes. But there's some big picture issues involved in what's going on. And there's three very important reasons why contact centers who have pushed back against using remote or at-home locations for its agents really need to get with the times. The first is for something that we've got to assume is going to happen again. So for Disaster recovery, business continuity, who knows when there's going to be a new variant that's going to, again, force people to work at home. So if you have people who work at home and you have policies and procedures and you know how to do it, you're going to be in a much better position to get the rest of the people home or you already have your people home. That's number one. Number two, you're going to be at a competitive disadvantage if you don't allow some of your employees or all of your employees to work at home because you're going to be limited in where it is you can hire from, that 50-mile radius, right, where somebody with a work-at-home model can hire from anywhere. And then there's also the simple issue is your employees, your agents, they want to work for a company that's flexible and agile.
0: Yeah, all of that makes complete sense. And when it comes to each organization understanding the differences between their employees, is there a difference in the employee profile between remote and on-site employees? Yes and no.
1: The characteristics for both are going to be the same. What really changes is the order of priority. So when you're hiring for a contact center and the type of employees you're hiring, whether if it's an inbound customer service shop, you're looking for people who are really warm and have a lot of empathy. If you're working with sales, if you're in a sales contact center, you want somebody who can get some pushback. But Keep on going, really politely. If you're working with a collector, you actually need the combination of both skills. So, you need the basics. If somebody's not a pleasant person, you don't want to put them in your contact center, regardless of where they're sitting. So, communication skills, empathy is really important. But when you're hiring for a remote, one of the characteristics bec- that become really important is you're looking for self starters somebody who doesn't have to be reminded when they need to be on, somebody who doesn't have to re- be reminded when they need to change from one activity to another. Um, and then another important characteristic for somebody working at home is somebody who is going to be proactive in interacting with their supervisor or manager, because the supervisor can't just come up to the person, put their hand on their shoulder, which is probably not good practice today anyway, but basically stand stand by them and say, Hey, how's it going? So you need people who are going to reach out and be really comfortable with that. And then just a couple other things worth mentioning, it doesn't matter where the person is. You know, we need people who are really able to deal with high levels of stress, who and who are tremendously flexible. So those those four characteristics will will really make a difference. And the order is is what varies.
0: Yeah, I can really see the challenges there. And another one of the big challenges that seems like it would be so difficult would be onboarding. So how do companies onboard their remote employees?
1: Very, very carefully. Right. <laughs> the, the steps involved in onboarding are going to be the same uh, regardless of where the people are going to be working, right? So I typically break it down into nine steps. You know, you create a job description and please, folks, this is one of those steps people skip, don't skip, skip that step. Um, it will impact everything else. So start with the JD, the job description. Then you have to figure out where to advertise, which absolutely will differ based on where it is you're hiring. Then you need to assess the candidates and screen applicants. And again, that process may be different because in the good old days, you may have gotten together as a group And each one had 15 seconds to look at a resume, but you did it as a group. So there was that, you know, group thought process, group think kind of going on. Now, the fifth step is the interview process. Clearly, the interview process is going to be quite different. Um, When it comes to contact centers, you typically want to do your first interview in the channel in which they're going to work. So if they're an email, going to be an email agent or an SMS agent, you're going to want to interview first interview in that channel. If you're gonna be a phone, you do it over the phone. If you're gonna be a video agent, you do it, you do it video, whatever it happens to be. So clearly that entire process is going to change. You can still do the first interview in that channel. And then you should do a interview where you can see and and chat with each other because there's just dynamics you pick up when you're, you know, relating, you know, and you can see each other. Then, of course, you've got the hiring process, the onboarding process. So now let's drill into that onboarding process a little bit, because that's where there's also some significant differences. We've got the fun challenge of getting the equipment to individuals. So some business process or outsour- outsour- outsourcers, BPOs, as they're referred to, will have their agents use their own equipment. But in general, enterprises will send you a PC. They'll send you a headset, often of your, your choice, lots of different headsets. Um, they'll... Send you, and then they'll work with you on the bandwidth. So you may have to buy more. If you have, if you already have enough, no one's going to ask you to buy less. And again, very easy to do, lots of ways to get equipment to you. Where it gets interesting is when it comes time to set up that equipment. Because, you know, obviously, if you're hiring for an internal help desk, then those people are really good, hopefully, at setting up PCs and other technical issues. But for contact centers, that isn't the case. And one of the lessons we learned during the pandemic is that the organizations, the contact centers that had dedicated people to help the contact center center agents were able to get up and running much, much more quickly. So there's a lot involved in the process, but it's nothing that a little creativity and, again, agility. Yeah, you're right, Donna. It easier. sounds like
0: you're, you're incorporating the agility and with keeping your process and your standards really high, just like they would be in person, but in that remote setting. So onboarding is one thing, but let's talk about best practices for training our remote employees.
1: Well, that's really a big issue because it's not just the training of remote issues, but training has been a sore point, an area of major opportunity in contact centers for decades. And greatly because a lot of these programs were built long before there were things like video and more interactive tools and more engaging tools. So we recommend that Contact centers use the pandemic as an opportunity to look at and revamp their entire training program. In regard to work at home best practices, I want to start with a worst practice. Really, if if there's nothing else you take away from today's podcast, please take this away. There's a lot of contact centers who have used some work at home, some remote workers. Unfortunately, they required those people, they'd hire them remote, and then they'd require them to come into the office for training. So they were only allowed to be 50, maybe 80 miles out. And it really defeated the entire purpose for the agent as well as for the organization. So if you're going to be remote, if you're going to do work at home, please um, do not require people to come in for training. Then in terms of some of the best practices, it is a great opportunity to create um, more engaging, as I mentioned, type experiences. So use video. Um, A lot of companies are are literally do death by PowerPoint, and that doesn't work. I don't know who it works for, but it surely doesn't work for adults. Adults learn experientially. So if we get to do something, if we get to do more role-playing, if we get to be actively engaged, as we could be listening to a PowerPoint, it's really very, very important. In today's world, The learning management systems have also improved dramatically because of the pandemic. So take a look at some of these new applications, a lot of which is open source. Learn from the good practices that the universities did as they sent their people home. So huge opportunity for the benefit of those who work at home and for those who will end up back in the office.
0: Well, and Donna, I can really feel your passion and your, your true care and compassion for this entire process and finding everyone's best case scenario. So I'm really excited to hear your answer for our last question. How can we really keep our contacts and our supervisors in a state where they're really keeping remote employees feeling like they're a part of a bigger team?
1: That is a wonderful question. And there's a simple answer. And then I'm going to give you the longer answer. The simple answer is please allow your supervisors and your team leaders to do what they joined you in your organization to do, which is to coach agents, to work with their agents, to speak with customers instead of pulling them in the direction of doing reports. See, what happens is the great supervisors get rewarded by being moved into um, other, other related opportunities while they still remain supervisors. So they're doing reports, they're doing special projects, in regard to the pandemic specifically, there are some interesting and lovely best practices that have emerged. The supervisor should call or you know, and video. I mean, it could be a FaceTime, whatever it happens to be, with each of their 10 to 20 agents every single day. And it is important not just to talk. It is important to speak with them, to see them, to make sure that they don't look overly stressed. So, you know, that five to 10 minutes is important. And surprisingly, you can actually have an agent who doesn't talk to their supervisor for months in an, off, in an office because they're doing a good job and the supervisor has nothing to tell them to do. Again, misunderstanding of the role because the role of a supervisor is not just to tell people what they not, don't do right. It's very much to tell them what they, what they do right. So this is another lesson learned that we're going to carry back Um, into into the contact center. And one last comment on this. You know, we were talking before about training. Right before agents come out of a training process, the supervisor should be reaching out. So classically, when a contact center agent finishes training, they go into a nesting period where they're really work closely with two or three people or one person who is there to help them on a minute-by-minute basis, and only after that period do they then meet their supervisor, we need to switch this around because we need to make sure they know that there is not just one resource but many resources. So have the supervisor meet their new team player or players early on in the training process and continue to go through that process with them, and that's going to take a long way to, to comfortably onboarding.
0: Yep, that It sounds like at the center of everything still is human connection. Donna, thank you so much for joining us today. Again, this is Donna Flass president of DMG Consulting, LLC. You've brought us so many great insights today. Thank you, Donna.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thanks for joining us for the CX Pulse podcast. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes.